The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr. And today we're going to talk playgrounds and particularly one great new playground that just opened up in Bailey's Harbor. Thanks to a lot of hard work by a lot of members of our community here. It's right across the street from the Pulse offices. And though myself and Dave Elliott won't be sliding down that too often, I'm sure my kids will. And to join me today to talk about it is Carrie Bauman, who has led the effort along with her brother and her family to raise a lot of money and improve that playground and make probably one of the best playgrounds in the county. Carrie, thanks for hopping on the podcast to talk about this a little bit. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, I was there on Saturday when you guys cut the ribbon, you and your brother Ryan, to open the park. And it was so cool to watch those. uh, There was probably like 30 or 40 kids at the beginning. And I think there were dozens more who came over the next hour or two to check it out and just how excited they all were to run in there and climb up to the top of the tower and, and zip down the slide. What was that moment like for you and your brother to just see those kids clamor to get on the, all that equipment? Well, first of all, it was an amazing turnout. I did not expect that many people and that many kids, and that was bittersweet to my heart, and it was so awesome to see all of those kids there. Emotionally, it was a very difficult day for me, but not to the point of like me missing my sister or any of that. It just was like, it's an era that I remember when I was a kid after my sister died and they did the first park and we did the same exact thing. And I was that child, like Mm. running there, trying to play on it and do it. But now to be able to do that ourselves and to see those kids live what we lived through at that, at that point, it's just it's so heartwarming and it makes, you know, us missing Kendall so much better because it just, this is exactly what she would have wanted in her life. So it was an amazing day. It was like bittersweet. It was just awesome. Well, I want to go back to the beginning here and how this whole park formed. And that, that takes us back to your sister, right? And you lost her, I believe it was 1991, six years old. Do I have that correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. And this is Kendall Weisgerber. And I want to give you an opportunity to tell us, what was she like? This park that it's named for, who was, who was Kendall and, and what kind of child was she when you were growing up? She was a blonde-headed spitfire. <laughs> she was the only one in our family that had blonde hair. We had no idea how she got it because we all were brunettes. But she was her own personality, her own spitfire. She was the boss of the rest of us. And she just controlled the room when she was in it. I remember, like, when she used to come down, we lived upstairs at the Cornerstone, and my parents owned the restaurant at that time, and we would come downstairs, and she'd be taking orders and going up to the people and being like, what can I get you? And she she couldn't write at the time, you know, so she would put <laughs> orders in that were, like, you didn't know what she were, what, what they're supposed to cook because she couldn't write, but the the customers loved her. The locals loved her. I mean, we had an awesome two years with her at the Cornerstone and there were so many people that would come in and be like, where's Kendall today? Where's Kendall today? And her, her personality was when she walked in the room, she was in control. You didn't have a choice. It was Kendall's way or the highway. And she made you laugh (laughs) on a, on a daily basis. And you know, that day that she went missing, we knew right away that something was wrong because 
she was just part of everything that we did. And the fact that we couldn't find her, we knew something had happened because, like I said, she was always there, always the center of attention and always part of it. She loved people around her. She didn't like alone time. So that day was was difficult. I guess as a kid, I, I don't remember like how the whole situation came about, like when the police were called and all that. I just remember sitting upstairs with my cousins and she came on the TV for the nightly news that it was a missing child in Bailey's Harbor. And I remember going downstairs and like talking to my mom about what do we need to do? What's, what's happening? And she just said, we're all out looking for her. And I remember going and walking the, the beach along ridges, like behind the peninsula pulse there and walking that beach and almost all the way down to the yacht club. And I had talked to people and I don't remember the conversations exactly, but I just remember doing that. And then I remember going to bed with people still looking for her. And then the morning came and I was sitting up in bed and I was just waiting for my brother to wake up and my cousins because they were there too. And I heard the blood, you know, scream from my mom and I looked out the window and I had, I, I knew in my heart, I knew what happened. And it was, it was very difficult. It was very difficult to be my age and have to be the strong one for my brother and to be able to have to tell him what is going on, how this is going to look, how, what's going to happen with our family. And mm. it was hard. But what I remember the most is how the community came forward and they were mourning with us. With the three of us weren't mourning alone. Like we had the whole community was mourning her. And her funeral ended up being, it was her funeral and it ended up being amazing, but it also, we got back to the cornerstone and it was like, a, cel- a celebration and, and like the community wrapped their arms around us and you know sad as you want to be you have to remember what you have too so that's it's a lot it was it was difficult yeah I mean I'm, I'm getting chills here as you as you tell that story I mean I was really good friends with your cousins the Anschutz is over in Egg Harbor and I remember hearing it through them when they when she went missing and just how scared everybody was and it's just like this in my memory it's a very blurry time right because probably probably trauma as being young. I was older than, than Kendall by about five years, but she'd be around your cousins a lot. And I, when you taught Spitfire of like who, who ruled the roost a little bit, like I, I definitely remember some of that over <laughs> there. And that, that Andrew's house was a tough one to be a Spitfire in too, because they, they had their fair share too. Mm-hmm. But how old were you and your brother at the time that this is all going on? I'm five years older than my sister. Okay. So uh, she was six. So I was 11, okay. 12. I, was, I think I was, she had just turned six. So I had turned 12. Yeah. Yeah. Because she had just, her birthday was on July 2nd, and then she passed away on July 19th. What an incredible thing to have to go through at that age. And, and just for the listeners who are not familiar with this, is, I hate to ask you to recount this, but can you, like, she was found at the marina, correct? She was. Yeah. So from what we gathered, she had gotten a tip from a customer, and she put it in her pocket. It was probably a dollar bill, because that's what we, at, at that time, figured out what it was, but, and she found out that my brother and his friends were down at the marina fishing on the end of the dock, and we weren't supposed to be down there, and neither was Ryan, but again, you know, it's not no one's fault at that point, but we weren't supposed to be down there, but she ran down there, and I, from what Ryan kind of remembers through, like, Ryan's friends was that Ryan told her to go home. Like, she wasn't supposed to be here, and she was like, well, you're not supposed to be here either, so I'm going to tell mom on you. <laughs> and so she took off running, and what we feel happened is that her dollar bill flew out of her pocket. It was a little mm. kid's pocket, and it fell into the water. 
and she went off one of those finger piers and reached over to get the dollar bill and fell in. Mm -hmm. And she, I think, freaked out. And we had been, you know, in swimming lessons before, but in that situation, the water's cold. She didn't know what to do, and she got pulled under and drowned. So Gary Nelson was actually one of the ones that found her when they finally decided to check the, the waters they were walking, and they had used... I don't know what they were using at the time, but it was like netting or something. And Gary was the one that actually pulled her out of the water. Man, that is just so hard to recount. But I wanted to give you the opportunity to do that, to tell her story. One, so, you know, people know who she is. And when you see Kendall Park and there's a person behind that, there's a a little kid that's being remembered through that. And also, as you tell the story, you know, it's a, it was a community trauma, but also a community coming together. And it's something that is, you know, you feel that kind of thing in Bailey's Harbor, those threads that bind people and in small towns like this. So when I'm watching you and Ryan cut that ribbon on Saturday, you know, in my head, I'm like thinking of you guys and your sister and your family being able to keep her memory alive and keep her with you in some sort of way through a celebration like you talked about, through a community coming together mm-hmm. and celebrating and, and doing something for each other. So that just had to be like you said, both cathartic and you know, a little bit difficult. Yeah, it was uh, It was definitely more, I had more joy than I had sadness. I've told this story to so many people, but Kendall, we lived upstairs in the Cornerstone, and the window that we, it was our bedroom, looked out at the pavilion at the town hall, and at that time it was open grass area. And she would sit up in her bunk bed at night, and she'd be like, you know what, this town doesn't have a park. We want, we need a park. I'm going to go over there tomorrow and I'm going to start building a park. So, I mean, we heard that on and on and on. It was like one of her things that she kept saying, like, I I want a park. I want a park. So obviously when she passed, my parents didn't, all three of our children, all three of us had like a life insurance, like a Gerber life insurance on us. And it transfers over to a college fund when we get older. But my mom did, they didn't want the money. That was not the point of doing it. So they decided that we all discussed it and they are going to put it into Kendall Park. And then whatever money we got from the funeral and, you know, people getting that, that all went 100% to that park. And Dale Williams and Keith Bonville and Bobby Schultz all volunteered their time with my dad to build that park. So again, full circle to have Dale Williams part of that. And and to have Eric Pyle as like a newer version of Bobby Schultz and Keith Bonville <laughs> and to have my dad there still building it, it's just full circle. You know, to see those guys and see our local crew working on it, it was exactly what my dad's like, it's like deja vu because it's exactly what we did in the first place and then we re- reincarnated it again in the second one. So to see the, the, all the hard work come together and to see the kids like just loving every aspect of it, it was a day that I will never forget. So how did the idea to, you know, Kendall Park had been there for a long time, already a kind of a, a favorite playground because it had one of the tallest slides, which is how I rate playgrounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had, you know, it's a popular little park for parents to bring their kids. What spurred the thinking to recreate it into something new and something better? Well, it started off when my brother and I had kids. It started off with me first because my first child is older than his first child. But I, I just kept telling my parents, and I even mentioned it to Ryan a few times, wait till you have kids, you'll understand, that I didn't feel comfortable bringing my kids to that park because there wasn't, at the, t- at the toddler stage, there wasn't enough safe measures put into place and safe things for them to play on 
that were were set for toddlers. You know, yes, the slide is amazing, but at a, at a one year old and two year old, they're not going to climb up that slide. I mean, yeah. you're not going to want them to do that anyway. My kid got to the top and was like, "Nope, not going back yeah. down." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. And you're not going to put them on the merry-go-round. That's like flies people off the merry-go-round. And you know, there's the swings, and then there's the we used to have the bouncy animals, the bee and the elephant, but they, you still have to hold them when you do it because they could fall off. So I actually took my kids to the ballpark, up by the ballpark, because they had, like, that plastic crawl and play. And so that's where I went, and I would sit there, and I'm like, I'd be so upset to the fact that I have to bring my own kids, you know, my sisters, nieces and nephews, to a different park because it just doesn't suit them as toddlers and infants. We had a couple of people in town say the same thing. And then when Ryan has his kids, he said the exact same thing. So that's what spurred it. We said it was time. It was time that we dig our feet in and actually get the books together and pick out something and redo this park and make sure that we have something for everyone and handicap accessible and toddlers and big kids all around that can play on it. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And then we started an amazing committee that I I can't give enough praise to because there's some amazing people on that committee and went to the town, started talking and it just kind of happened. And the Billy Harbor community station stepped up immensely to be part of the fundraising and to hold on to the money and to make the purchases, which was wonderful for them to do that. And it's kind of how it happened that way. So this has started, was it three or four years ago that you actually in earnest started the fundraising campaign? Three years ago, we started this fundraising campaign. Four years ago is when my brother and I actually sat down and we started the committee to start talking about it and figure out how much we needed to raise. But yeah, three years ago was the fundraising campaign. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. If you can tell us, I think it was a total of about $540,000 that it took to build this. And that probably doesn't include some of the in-kind donations from local labor and, and workers. But who are some of the people who contributed to help make this happen? First of all, Dale Williams and Harbor Construction. I have to give a huge shout out to them. They donated in-kind for all the hauling out the material, the groundwork, the initial groundwork. They came back in and helped. They donated all the, all the stone at the end. They donated their equipment to help with that. Uh, second would be Eric Pyle and, and Pyle Construction. I can't give them enough kudos. When I had gone to Eric myself because we were having issues with game time and we just didn't like the way the company was treating us. Like it, it didn't feel like a small town. It was like a corporation and we just didn't like the way that they were handling everything. So when I sat down with Eric and I said, here, this is what game time was going to do do you think you could handle this? And he was like, yep, we'll get it done. And he did above and beyond what was intended to do (laughs) on paper. And we have to give him a lot of the credit. He made sure that it was a great, you know, he was a general contractor on everything and something went wrong. He was there and he fixed it and he figured out what to do. And he had built playgrounds before, but nothing to this caliber. Mm-hmm. So he, he had the background of like the little pieces of equipment, but the main structure was a learning curve for all of them. And I would go <laughs> down there some days and I seriously thought they had their hair pulled out of their heads and they're like, 
we need something to drink like this. We can't do this right now. Like, it well, was well, let's be fair. Eric doesn't have a lot of hair to pull out of his head. Come on. Right? <laughs> yes. Sorry, Eric. Yes. I can only say that because I went to high school with him. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they pushed through every single day and the same crew was there the whole time. And we made, made laughs and jokes of it. We hit, hit some big bumps in the road, but we just kept pumping through and, and making sure that was done. And then we also have Andy Franke to thank for the concrete. PCI donated all the concrete before the final grading came in with the, with the groundwork. They donated all the concrete for the equipment and the concrete for the walkway and stuff like that. And then we couldn't pick up that log. Eric didn't have the right equipment to pick that massive log climber up. So they brought over their boom truck and helped us put that in place. So they donated their time on that as well. So PCI needs a huge shout out on that as well. And Raybrook was one of our biggest donors outside of the town of Billy's Harbor. The town of Billy's Harbor was our biggest donor. So thank you to all the citizens in the town of Billy's Harbor because you were detrimental for us to get this done, especially that finalized uh, rubberized floor because we didn't have that in our, our, we had it in our initial bill, but we could not raise enough to get it fully done. So then we backtracked and did like a we we're going to do an engineered wood fiber that was handicap accessible, but you had to redo it every five years. Mm. And the, the town, the town chair and the committee came together and had a discussion about let's make that. So it's not a runaway cost and let's figure out how we can get this done. And they did. Mm. It was awesome. And then Green Bay Greater Community Foundation was the next biggest donation. And then we had three funerals three funeral donations in that. So Lauren Aurelius, Lauren Aurelius' daughter was one of the biggest ones. When she died, they ended up buying a piece of equipment and then the funds for the funeral also went to Kendall Park. Oh, My great. mother-in-law, Ida, all the funds for her funeral were donated to Kendall Park. And then there was another local person too that also donated their funds too for, for Kendall Park. So it lives on, you know, we're going to have... Marjorie's name, Lauren Rales' daughter, Marjorie's name, you know, there to show that she's, you know, in spirit with us too. You know, it's not just, like I said, it's not just Kendall Park, it's a community park. So just a space for us to go and remember and listen to the sound of children laughing so you can remember that it's it's okay. There's mm-hmm. good in this world and it's okay. And it was really nice to see Lauren Aurelius and, and Fred, Marjorie's parents, there at the opening as well. And, you know, knowing that they're, that Marjorie is remembered in another way and, and obviously had a huge impact in, on this community in her short time here as well. You know, and then describe the playground. What are <laughs> There's a lot of cool equipment there. It's obviously, I mean, it is a huge tower to climb up. There's tons of stuff for kids of all ages to play on. But what are the kind of the things that you guys pinpointed as you were planning this to go like, we need something like this, or here's what we want? Well, we wanted a main nucleus. I kind of think like the yellow slide that we had before was the main attraction point. Like you said, it was one of the tallest slides out there. And so we wanted another main structure to pull the people in. And I never thought that this structure would be as big as what it was. I mean, I, <laughs> you're standing up in the top and I think it's taller than even the town hall. It's the third <laughs> so, tallest structure in Door County. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have to put a helicopter light on the top so the planes <laughs> don't hit it. Just kidding. Yeah. But it is, it, it's awesome. it is, it is tall. Like you can see it from all over the place. I was having lunch at the cornerstone the other day, and I was like, wow, you totally can see that. <laughs> um, so it's, it's three stories, and there are so many hidden 
ways of playing on that main structure that when they were setting it up, I was just shocked by it. Like you look at something on a piece of paper and you're like, yeah, that looks cool. Like we can make this look awesome. And some people in the committee that were against that big log because they they didn't think it was going to look right. But when we set it down and we had it there, we were all like amazing. Like that log is just awesome. Like it just pulls the nature theme that we wanted together because the big climber is set up as a treehouse. Mm-hmm. We we picked the treehouse theme to kind of go with nature with the ridges and Bird City and, you know, Bailey's Harbor is just a nature place. But underneath, you can climb up a bunch of leaves if you want. You can climb up, it like, looks like an old rickety, you know, stairway. And there's like a, looks like a hurricane pathway that you kind of go around and you get up to the top level on there. And then once you're up there, the first level, you have one, two, three different slides to choose from mm-hmm. on the first level. And then you get up to the second level and you have the bigger racing slides as we call them. And it's three slides that start out as one. So you got one on the left side, one in the middle, and then you have a, a circle one on the, on the right side. And the kids were, they were like making some, some air going down that middle <laughs> section. Like they had like a slippery, you know, jackets on and one kid like just flew off of that thing. And they're just laughing and just loving it. And then you go to the top and you're you're inside what would be the tree house and that is the big tunnel slide that's there. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I went down it. You need to as an adult, if you go down it, this little bit of advice, you need to tuck, tuck and roll because it is tight on the bottom <laughs> section and I literally got stuck. I just have to say that. But I learned how to tuck tuck and roll. My son wanted me to go down it on Saturday. I'm like, I'm not going to be the guy who gets stuck when there's 100 people here. Like, I'm not doing it. So It is not like the yellow one, because I think they make them now safety-wise that the bottom half is, like, closer. Like, it's a, it's a smaller area to go, so it slows them down. Because mm. the yellow one, I fit down perfectly. I never had a problem. But this one is a little, it's a little tight. So it's good for adults, too. So there will be adult yep. nights at the playground. With <laughs> yep. I mean, it's. You can climb their seats underneath so, like, they can have conversations underneath the whole structure. There's pieces of musical equipment underneath there, too. We have, the, like, logs laid out where you can jump between them or you can sit on them and talk. Also, the front is a big, huge log climber that's got the mushrooms on it and that you can climb up. It's not a slide. It's actually a climber, so you go up it, and the kids are just loving that as well. So that's the main structure, and from there we have a handicap-accessible merry-go-round that isn't a death trap for children. It actually has walls all around, and it goes a lot slower. But even the kids, I think there was like 10 kids on that thing at one time, and they were just spinning around there and having a good time. And then we go to our toddler, we call it our toddler section, and from there you have like another whole piece where the toddlers can go and they can crawl up in there. They can, there's a slide for them and there's stuff that they can play with. And then there's like a little toddler swing. There's a little leaf seat, one that spins. And then we've got trees in between there, which is like a maze for little kids, but the bigger kids were climbing on them. So that's fun for them too. <laughs> and then um, two separate swing sets. So we've got the um, communication swing is what they call it. It's like two kids can sit facing each other and swing back and forth and then um, the two regular swings. And then on the other side, there's a mommy and me swing where you put the baby in, and then you look at your your baby and you can swing with them, and then three more adult swings over there or bigger kids' swings. And we kept the lion head. That was probably for all the 
other people that were there that aren't, they weren't kids, they were adults. That was like the biggest thing that we kept the lion head, but kept the lion head water fountain. So yeah. it is, it is there. It's not turned on. You can't get water out of it right now, but it is there. And we, we made sure that stayed. It, it was the first thing that my son started yelling about when he was there. He's like, look at the lion. It's still here. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but what was cool on Saturday is you looked around and every single piece of equipment was in use. I mean, every inch of mm-hmm. every piece of equipment with all those kids there. So all these different ages from, you know, three months to, I think, probably 12 years old were there just going. Yeah, my son was there so. and he's 13. So, yeah. yeah, 13. Really cool to see and really cool to see the community come out for it. And this is sort of the soft opening, right? Because you're, you still have some landscaping and things to do. The park is open for people to use right now all winter long if they want to. But you're finishing up some landscaping, finishing up the memorial and some of the donor bricks and things. And I'm guessing you're probably doing a, another opening of a sort sometime this spring? Yes. So our plan was, we obviously can't, with the weather, it kind of, I mean, we were very lucky to have that nice week <laughs> of warm weather. Awesome Otherwise, we, yeah, that was our window. We had to have the floor in that week. And if they weren't ready, it wasn't getting done till spring. So we were very lucky that we got that weather and we were able to get that floor in at that time. So we wanted to open it up to the kids. Like I said, I'm not leaving this park closed like this so they can stare at it for another four months and they can't play on it. Mm-hmm. So we decided to do a soft opening for the kids. I mean, I guess it's not, it's not really a soft opening because it's open, so you can go there. But we weren't able to show the donors because that's part of it too. It's, it is about the kids, but it's also the donors want to make sure that and see what they donated to and, and have the finished product. So we were going to have, we're going to have a main opening in the spring. Once all of the bricks are laid, we've got some trees that are being donated in people's names. So we wanted to make sure that we were able to bring them in. And plus, I mean, who wants to sit out in the cold as a donor and sit out in the cold and freeze your butt off when you can come in the <laughs> spring when the weather is nice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kids don't care. They'll come wearing shorts just so they can play on the yeah. park. But <laughs> the adults don't want to be standing outside in the cold. So we're going to do a grand opening in the spring with all the donors being invited to come and make sure that they can see the park as we want to see it fully done with the memorial bricks up and things like that. So, yes, we'll have that done sometime in the spring. Well, congratulations on finally bringing this to fruition. I know how hard and and long a fundraising campaign can be and all the hurdles that come into even a good project, even something that's well executed, there's just stuff comes up, right? And to see it Saturday, to see it full and to see it over there every day now, knowing that kids are going to get incredible use out of this thing for decades to come. uh, It's got to be really gratifying to you. And it's a really great tribute to your sister and your family. So Thank you for the work and creating a new place for kids to play in Bailey's Harbor. Thank you. Carrie, thanks for joining us to talk about this on the podcast. And uh, I encourage anybody with kids, go check it out. Even if it's cold, they're going to love it. Climb around. <laughs> and, uh, it's just going to be a great new amenity for, for people growing up in Door County. Thanks again, Carrie. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. This podcast is produced by Miles Danhausen Jr. and edited by Rachel Lucas. If you want to help us continue to create more great episodes just like this one, visit our website at doorcountypulse.com. Thank you.